Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and as always, for the entirety of the football season, joining me today, none other than the king of content, the high septum of soaps, the podcast power listener, and long-suffering Cowboys fan, the Oracle himself, Matt Friedman. And Matt, it is time for week one of the NFL season. We have games to talk about today, and that means we have to bring on some of the big guns here. So today we are joined by none other than Will Brinson of the Pick 6 podcast, former notary. And guys, it is officially football time. Week one is here. I know Matt's not excited, but Will, how are you feeling? Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, you know, like, I love the... Um... Rams Bills uh, Thursday night game. Uh, I don't know if this is if, if, if we're going to pick, pick it, but like that opener is just like a, a choice opener. Uh, you look at the schedule and there's like so much road chalk; it's crazy. I think picking Survivor is going to be impossible this week. And, and the other thing, like about a week one where there there looks like there could be chaos, is um, I love how we're going to get so many uh, victory laps and like and like and so many realizations that all these takes that we've been spewing for like nine months in the offseason are just completely preposterous and dead ass wrong. Like when, when like you know when like the like I'm like the Jaguars are just you know like if I think a take on the Jaguars like they're gonna I think I picked them to win the division they're just gonna like lose by 40 points and I'm gonna feel like such an idiot but then you'll realize a week from now that none of that really matters. Exactly. This is smartest man in the room season that we're finally ending here with the season finally beginning. Everybody's finally done having their takes that has to be better than everybody else's takes. And we can finally prove it all. Watch some football. And you nailed it on the survivor pools. I was sitting with uh, with my roommates last night talking about what are we going to do for our survivor entries? And oh, man, it is a hard week. So many seven point uh, road favorites the first couple weeks are going to be tough for survivor. And obviously we don't have a sample size to deal with here. It's going to be interesting to see, but Matt will it's time to get into some games here. Start breaking down your favorite spreads of the week. And Matt, I realize we haven't even gotten you a word in edgewise here, but are you excited? Yeah, I, I actually am excited. I try not to be excited about anything, but uh, impossible not to be excited about the, f- the first week of football. And uh, I will say on the, the week one front, it's that kind of thing where, yes, there will be a lot of victory laps, but then there, there will also be the uh, really distinct refusal to take the L where it's like, look, it's yeah. only one week. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's only one week, but right. it's always really bad. Or it'd be uh, like, or it'd be like 90% of the carries for one guy, 10% for the like the other guy that you said, like, like basically like me with Trey Sermon last year. I was like, no, it's too early to tell if Trey Sermon is going to be good or bad. It's like week nine, week nine, I'm screaming like, hey, you never know. This guy could come in and, and I, I don't know if you got a carry last year. It's- I had an all-time fantasy draft last year where I took Trey Sermon, Mike Davis, Ooh. and... Brandon Ayuk, just fanta- fantastic year for yeah, me. That's a tough one. But I actually, I actually went fifteen and one in a, a league. The only mofo who got me was Prisco. Pete Prisco got me with his crappy team. Like they actually had like some. He basically prevented me from having a perfect season, which is really disturbing. Anyway, he Giants deal. Yes, exactly. Well, we're going to talk about the Giants game and more. But first, let's talk about the biggest game of the weekend. It's the one that we all are waiting to sit down and watch. The Baker Mayfield revenge game. (laughs) The Browns at the Panthers. You're laying a point with the Panthers. Will, are you all aboard the Baker Mayfield bandwagon here? Is he going to get it back together? Or are you going with the Cleveland Jacoby Brissett's? 
uh, you know, tough spot for me as an NC State fan. Jacoby Brissett, you know, the homecoming game here. Love, love Jacoby. Uh, did a lot of good stuff here in Raleigh. I mean, I guess he's, he's playing in Charlotte, which is like might as well be Virginia, to be perfectly honest. Um, I am like have annoyed at myself as we get you know to the start of the full first full Sunday of the NFL. How I've like over the past month plus have allowed myself and done it to myself to like get on board with I'm like maybe the Panthers, maybe the Panthers are a fringe playoff contender. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like I know what I'm doing. It's so stupid, and I'm mad at myself. But this is like the Tobias Funke meme where he's like, he's like, does it ever work for them? No, but it might work for me with the Panthers. Um, I, I do think the Baker and the Panthers are gonna are gonna take care of business against the Browns. I mean, I can't. I always think back to that game where after Hugh Jackson got fired by the Browns and then was put, then played for, or then started coaching for the Bengals, excuse me. And Baker, Baker, like they ran the score up on the Bengals. It's the best game Baker's ever played. He's walking by Hugh on the sideline, like running his mouth. The cameras catch it, and I think you're gonna see some of that narrative back against the Browns here. Um, who are, you know, wounded, right? Like they had Deshaun Watson, and now he obviously can't play. That's why they moved on from Baker. Um, this is the – this Panthers team, I, I there are a couple of different ways that the season can fail, and, it, and they're not hard, difficult to, like, imagine. Like Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, um, misses a bunch of games. The offensive line isn't very good. Uh, or Those guys get hurt. Like one guy gets hurt on that offensive line, and it could really be a Jenga-type piece. Uh, you know, a couple guys on the defense don't take a huge leap. But for week one, I think all those things are pretty safe – to worry about, he said, knowing that Joseph Persson just tweeted that Chris McCaffrey was on the injury report with a shin injury, uh, which is not 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 ideal for purposes of this Panthers pick. However, he's a full participant. They're going to. You saw what they did in the first three games last year. You get Christian McCaffrey involved in that offense. It's going to make Baker look good. I think Icky Aquano will have a very nice first game. I worry a little bit about his pass pro over the full season. Um, and then like the upgrades they made, Bradley Bozeman at center. Uh, this Panthers team, I think can flash enough, and they they have started hot under Matt Rule at home. I like him to take care of the Browns in the spot. My thing with the my thing with Baker was always that all the things that people knocked him for with his personality and all that, it was always stuff on the field for being a competitor. Yes, he got suplexed by that campus police officer at Oklahoma, but he kind of cleaned himself up after that, and everything else was on the field. And I want that in my quarterback, and you know he has had this game circled forever this is absolutely going to be that game that he wants to go off in. But Matt, you're disagreeing with us here. Yeah, so the, the way we're doing this is that Will is taking five spread bets that he likes. I'm taking five spread bets that I like. We didn't consult with each other beforehand, and it just so happens we're going head-to-head on this one. And when I first wrote up this game, uh, it was Browns plus two and a half. Uh, and I said that I think my projection of this is Browns uh, minus uh, a half a point. When I put it in the outline is Browns one and a half. As we are recording this right now, the consensus line is now a pick them. Uh, mm-hmm. It is actually a pick them at DraftKings. Uh, it is 0.5 towards the Browns at points bet. Uh, one point uh, going towards Carolina at bet MGM. So like this, you know, we are now in the, in the pick them range. And I think we might continue still to see this line move oh. towards uh, move towards the Browns as we get into the weekend. I am very much on the Browns here, uh, you know, at pick them plus one and a half, wherever it is that you find it. Uh, I think they should be favored in this game. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a situation where Baker Mayfield, you know, Robbie Anderson, uh, he has a hamstring injury, uh, so his status is a little bit unknown. Tight end Ian Thomas, he has a rib injury. He's week to week. So Baker Mayfield, 
I don't think he has great weapons uh, at the wide receiver position after DJ Moore. And as bad as those weapons are, he might not even have his full arsenal of weapons going into this game. And, and so I think that's a hindrance. Uh, if you look at the Cleveland Browns, you know, I think there are some trends here that work in their favor. Uh, Non-postseason teams. So, you know, that's very much like the kind of team that I think the public would maybe be uh, like because of recency bias prone to bet against early in the next season. So, you know, a non-postseason team that's a road underdog in week one, they're 73, 46, and four against the spread uh, for a 19% ROI. And then, uh, so that's the Browns, and you look at the Panthers. Man, head coach Matt Rule has been really bad against the spread in situations where he should have an edge. So as a favorite, he's three and eight against the spread. At home, he's four and 12 against the spread. And you put that together with him as a home favorite in this spot, he is one and six against the spread and on the money line as a home favorite. This guy just just does not get it done. And this matchup, I really like in terms of the Browns secondary versus Baker Mayfield and the pass catchers. Like, yes, it is the revenge game for Baker Mayfield. It is also the revenge game for the entirety of the Browns organization, right? And for like the defense that had to like look at the offense and say like <laughs> we could maybe get stuff done we could maybe make the playoffs if not for that guy right there now they get to go up against him and i think this is a very good brown secondary i have them ranked number 3 overall and they are going against a panthers uh pass catching group that after dj moore is really unproven and really thin and uh number 1 cornerback denzel ward like, I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He's been paid like one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And he, you know, he is going to shadow DJ Moore on the perimeter. Like, I think that is a near certainty. And that's not to say he's going to lock him down, but I think it will be hard for DJ Moore to have a big enough of a game against Denzel Ward to compensate for the lack of production they get from all of the other pass catchers who aren't Christian McCaffrey. And if you're going to run like the bulk of your passing game through the running back, you're probably going to lose. So I am very much on the Browns here. Again, whatever number it is, like a pick them. I, I have them projected at uh, you know minus 0.5. So I don't think there's value if you're betting them there, but I think there is probably enough value if you're betting them at a pick them and still you can get them at plus money uh, or you know, plus odds at, at some sites out there. So be sure to shop around on this one. By, by the way, I love that. Like, like, Hey, we've got a smart NFL guy. It's like, yes, I'm going to back Matt rule. It's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't, maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm an idiot. You know, like that's Matt rule is, is pretty terrible. I remember when I really wanted the Jets to hire Matt Rule, and I was so upset the Panthers got him instead. Things have, I'm not going to say they've worked out for us. I but, would say he's worked out for the Jets. But I mean, like, yeah. yes, it's worked out not having like, – you're better off not having Matt Rule uh, even if it hasn't worked out. Guys, real quick, I want to talk to you about Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest-growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. My friends and I changed over this year, and I absolutely love it. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in a football game or number of points in a basketball game. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. 
It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button, along with over-under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together, so stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a Sleeper account today and Sleeper will automatically credit your account $100 to get you started. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper.com for details. This next game, though, involves a new coaching hire and one that has been around the block for a little bit of time, one could say. The Patriots are going down to Miami to play the Dolphins here in a coaching matchup rivaled in disparity by only Don Shula and Rich Brooks, who had a win differential of 320 wins when they matched up in 1995. Belichick, of course, has a casual 290. And Mike McDaniel, the new Dolphins coach, zero. And as much as I hate to say it, I'm afraid that I'm betting on the rookie coach in this one. Three and a half point favorites at home are the Dolphins here. That hook scares me a little bit. But I'm looking at the fact that Bill Belichick struggles in Miami. But he struggled in Miami against Brian Flores. But this team is also loaded. I'm stuck between two minds here. Will, provide some clarity for me. Well, I mean, I'm I'm petrified to bet on this game because I think objectively speaking, like say if, if you took the if you took the if you took the Patriots and you get rid of Belichick and you put them in like slime green Seahawks jerseys, I mean their their over under win total is like five and a half. Yeah. Right. Like this this roster is just not it's not it's not great. And um I, mean, I think you know. I think it's uh, Matt's. Matt's got the pick on this one, but I would just say like the two two non factor it terrifies me because I I referenced that Tua has like that. I said the Patriots could win the game. The CBS asked me to do five upset games, right? And I listed five games, and I was like, the Patriots, yeah, Patriots could win. Like it's Belichick, week one, you know, rookie head coach. You know, Tua, you know, to, a young quarterback struggle against. Belichick and and they got mad because two was three and zero against Belichick, but he's thrown for like four hundred passing yards. Um, and then um, and then basically Dolphins fans came at me, and I sort of said that the Dolphins beat writers are homers too, and like they were like way too enthusiastic with their reporting, and so like everyone came after me for forty eight hours nonstop. My mentions were like Dolphin fans screaming at me, so I'm like petrified that Tua is great in this game. The Dolphins roll. And then I have to relive that nightmare of two and on. So Friedman, talk me, talk me into the Patriots saving my Sunday, please. Well, you know, now I almost hope it happens. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be that'd be great. Good entertainment value. Everyone yeah. except for you would enjoy it. But no, I I have to go with the that proven head coach in this situation. And part of it is that cornerback Byron Jones for the Dolphins, he's out on PUP with an ankle injury. And you know, the Patriots. By and large, you know, they're relatively healthy entering this game. Uh, you know, head coach Bill Belichick, 30-15-2 against the spread as an underdog. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's a pretty good record. And yeah. division, divisional road underdogs in the first half of the year, 284 to 211 uh, with 17 uh, pushes against the spread. So, you know, divisional road underdogs, especially in the first half of the year when I think there are more things that are unknown uh, I think it's it's you know a, been a profitable thing to go with, and I'm just looking at this game. The Patriots run offense against the Dolphins run defense. I think that's really where this game is decided. And you know, with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, the Patriots have I think one of the like the better. I wouldn't say like it's like top three, but like top eight uh, running back duos in the league. And the uh, the opposing defensive line for 
for the Dolphins. It's not bad, but it's not good in run defense. Uh, and I think that is a real edge that the Patriots are going to have in this game, especially like if you're just looking at statistics from last year. The Patriots, you know, routinely top eight in different rushing metrics. The Dolphins, middle of the league to bottom quarter of the league in defensive rush metrics. And without Brian Flores there, Tommy, you mentioned it, like Flores was the defensive brain on that team. And because he was coming from the Belichick coaching tree, like I think he really did give them a head-to-head edge yes. against the Patriots. And that is gone. So that defense really could take a step back. And I know there have been reports about the Patriots, who were a, a power-rushing, gap-heavy team for years, about them struggling to incorporate zone-blocking schemes into their offense. To me, like... Obviously, if they're uh, incorporating zone blocking schemes, you would rather have that going well than not. But I don't think I don't think that means that they are totally abandoning the power run. I think it just means that they're going to get more varied, more inventive with what they're doing in the running game so that there's more of a mix. And the Patriots. Yeah, they jettisoned right guard Shaq Mason uh, via trade. They lost left guard Ted Karras in free agency. But otherwise, they have good continuity along the offensive line. They have four starters, all of whom have started multiple years with the Patriots on the offensive line. And then they added in the first round left guard Cole Strange. Yeah, they overdrafted him. But like that dude was one of the most dominant interior run blocking offensive linemen in the draft. So... I think they're just going to just ram it against the, the Dolphins for the entirety of the game, keep that offense uh, of the Dolphins on the sideline for as long as possible. And nose tackle Raquan Davis last year had a 36.1 run run defense grade uh, and a 29.1 tackling grade. Like that is the point of attack. Like right up the middle of their defense, the Dolphins are weak against the run. So I, I think that this is going to be a game that is closer than the three and a half. Uh, if it were a three, I would probably still be betting it. At two and a half, I, I don't believe I would touch it. Although, like, I do think that these two teams are pretty closely matched. And I don't think the home field advantage at Miami is really all that large. So I am on the Patriots in this spot at three and a half. See, you, you make me feel better with that, too. And I, I, I like the idea that the, the zone blocking power thing. Like, if Belichick doesn't think the zone blocking is going to work in week one, he's not going to go full zone blocking against Miami. He's just going to yeah. run the he's going to run the power formation. The, I mean, I cannot get over the fact, though, that he has Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running his offense. Like, that is, like, the weirdest thing on the planet. Yes, yes. But he is still the, he is still the one running that offense. Yeah. Like, like, as weird as this sounds, Belichick, back in the day with the Browns, maybe I shouldn't say this because it, it probably doesn't mean, like, anything good happened. But he obviously was like a defensive mastermind with the Giants. When he came to the Browns, he was calling the plays on offense. They did not have it. They did not have an offensive coordinator for the first couple of years that he was there. Like he was the one overseeing the offense. There were other guys who were there, like, you know, in in the, the meetings, position groups running it. But like Belichick really was the one who was overseeing the offense. And I think it's going to be a similar situation now. Uh, and he also had Saban as his defensive coordinator, so he felt good about. No, I mean, like, like you know, yeah, what I'm saying? Like, he, yeah. like, and I mean, he trusts Gerard Mayo and, and his son, so I mean, maybe he, you know, maybe he thinks they can handle the defense, and he'll run the. I'd be like, hey, we're running this, and Patricia's just like reading off a play sheet. That's like, and Joe Judge is like, like you know, sitting there with his thumb. He's there. Yeah, he's there. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, maybe so. I, that's I hadn't thought through that process. That's, I like that. I, I'm st- I'm still just worried about the fact that 
I can't believe the Dolphins swept the Patriots last year. And I know Flores is gone, and a lot of it was the fact that he was the he he was the guy who changed the system for them and was able to buck the trends of Belichick beating his disciples, of Belichick just dominating the division. But at the same time, I just feel like at the end of the day, this Miami team is so much more talented than them. I don't think it's as even a matchup, especially when you look at it on the offensive side there. But it's week one, and nobody knows anything, and I'm probably the one wrong here, so I will happily (laughs) defer on that. If you want to win a signed Joe Mixon Cincinnati Bengals jersey, courtesy of our friends at Pristine Auction, you need to subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below this video, and that is it. You will automatically be entered. We will be announcing a winner right here on the channel, so make sure to turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and acclaim your prize. Talk about two Super Bowl contenders going at it here, guys. We'll probably be seeing this matchup in February. We've got the Jacksonville Jaguars facing <laughs> off against the Washington Commies. Bet MGM has the Commanders at minus two and a half at home in this game. Carson Wentz versus Trevor Lawrence, the battle of the gingers. Who's coming out on top? Uh, I mean, I, I've got the I've been saying for like three months that the Jaguars are just gonna win this game. Like I think the Jaguars for one, the NFL schedule makers did not do Carson Wentz any favors because the last time he played a football game in the NFL was the horrible week 18 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars that caused the Colts to miss the playoffs and made Jim Mercy go insane and, and, and force a, a trade of Carson Wentz out of town. And so now, of course, the NFL sends Jacksonville to Washington. Like, hey, do you enjoy that PTSD from, from Jacksonville? Well, so we're sending some, some teal your way, Carson. And not only that, the Jaguars have hired Carson Wentz's old coach, Doug Peterson. And like, Urban Meyer was unquestionably the worst hire in the history of professional football. Like, an ab- abject failure and disaster. Pete Prisco told me on um, – on the on our our, third, our Friday pod, the Pick Six podcast, he was talking about it because he 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 lived in Jacksonville. He knows that the you know does the, the weekly radio show. He knows that the organization really well. He's like the stories. He's like the stories I'm hearing now, like about Urban. Like it gets worse and worse. Like the stuff hadn't even been told publicly. It's just like he's just you know, treating you know just a, a disaster. Would we say? Would we say that they were urban legends? Nailed it. <laughs> I just had to drop it in. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt for that horrible, here, horrible I'm, joke. Keep I'm going. here for all puns. All, all puns I'm here for. Um, and, like, Doug Peterson doesn't even have to be, like, Bill Belichick in 2005. Like, he, like he just has to be not Urban Meyer. And, and immediately this team is going to be so much better. I think he'll come in prepared. Um I'm not sold on – I think Washington may be a little bit better than I'm giving them credit for, but I think Jacksonville is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. I think the Jaguars just win this game, and we're like, oh, right, Trevor Lawrence is awesome. It was just Urban Meyer who screwed him up. I I mean, I have a hard time poking holes in the Trevor Lawrence is good at football argument, but what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, when this line opened months ago, it was Jags plus four and a half. And I, it was an auto bet then. It was just like, okay, this, there's no way, no way that Washington should be favored. And the fact that this moved through the, the key number of three down to two and a half is a real sign uh, of either the market being bullish on the Jags or really against uh, Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. And honestly, it's, it's maybe a combination of both. Exactly. I don't I don't want to be betting on Washington. I don't necessarily want to be betting on Jacksonville, but I'd rather bet on Doug Peterson than Ron Rivera. And I'd rather bet on Trevor Lawrence than Carson Wentz. That's that's where I have to go in this one. Yeah, absolutely. 
The next game up here, guys, the Colts and the Texans. We've got some division rivalry going on in week one. The Texans, seven-point home dogs in this spot. I kind of like Lovey. What do you think, Will? Um, I think I think this is a Friedman uh, game too, right? Because I'm, yeah. I'm scared. You know the Colts haven't won a, a week one opener since 2013? Yeah. Like, that is crazy. How how can you go over a decade with no wins in week one over, like, multiple coaches with, like, multiple – like, several – like, Andrew Luck, Philip River. I mean, just – yeah, just good it, – it's wild to me. Um, So, I'm, like, maybe lean Texans, but I'm kind of scared. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm on the Texans. Uh, I first grabbed this at eight and a half. It's now at seven. I don't think I would bet it past the seven. I mean, let me rephrase it. I definitely wouldn't bet bet it past the seven, but I, I still like it at seven. Uh, you know, the, the Colts uh, linebacker, Shaquille Leonard, he has returned to practice. He probably is going to play. Very nice by you, by the way. I'm not going to get I'm not going to get off Darius until like week five. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's written down here in my notes. That's that's the only way. That's the only way. Yeah, uh, you know, but he's dealing with uh, with an injury that he's had for months. I like I know he's very likely to play in this game. Like I don't see him missing week one, but I don't think he's going to be in full football shape. Uh, and so that's something to, uh, to monitor here. And the Colts, like they have a really interesting situation. Uh, and so they have winnable, but divisional road games in weeks one and two. Uh, and then in week three, they have a home opener against the chiefs who have three extra days of rest. Good luck with that game. Yeah. Uh, and then they have three more divisional games sandwiched around a road game at the Broncos on short rest. Mm, that is a horrible opening schedule. And that's five divisional games in the first seven weeks of the season. Wow. And then they don't have another divisional game until week 18 against the Texans. So like, it's not as if like week one is ever a must win game, but like, man, it's kind of, it's kind of a must win game for the Colts already because like the road is kind of rough after this. And well, as you mentioned, the Colts have been bad in week one, like historically Frank Reich, Oh, three and one against the spread in week one. And Matt oh, Ryan, straight up. I mean, yeah. how is it even possible? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Matt Ryan, like, I mean, he's five and nine against the spread in week one also. So like you put those two together and it's like, maybe this doesn't start out all that well for them. And, you know, the Houston Texans, you know, we talked about divisional underdogs before, especially like uh, teams that didn't make the postseason. 53-23-2 against the spread in week one. Like, that is that is dynamic there. And the matchup I'm looking at for this game is quarterback Davis Mills against the Colts secondary. And that secondary is not last year's unit at all. So uh, Kenny Moore, he's still there in the slot. But their perimeter starters at cornerback, Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin, they are gone. Backup cornerback TJ Carey is gone at safety. The Colts had five players play 100 snaps last year. Four of them are gone. So it is a really uh, rebuilt back-end unit. And defensive quarter Matt Eberflus is is gone. This is the big one right here. Yeah, that is the big one. So it's not just a lot of turnover within their, uh, their cover unit. It's that the guy who oversaw the cover unit is also gone. And now they have Gus Bradley, who, like, I would say, like, feels like a master of mediocrity like he's on his third coordinator job in as many years and he has like a break but don't bend defense like over the past three years (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but that's, that's, there's no Not other even just snap in half guys <laughs> there's no other way to describe it like his defenses over the past three years have been number 10 in yards allowed but number 21 in scoring like it's just like, that's, like that, that's not something that makes sense but for him it kind of does and you know they added stefan gilmore as their number one corner that's a good addition but he's 32 years old in september you know they brought in uh brandon fashion Fakasan, Faxon. I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Uh, that probably says more about me, but it also says a little something <laughs> about him. Like he's going to be the other starting perimeter corner for them. And the only reason he's there is because he's a Gus Bradley favorite who knows the system from their time together the past four years with the Chargers and then the Raiders last year. But he is a total liability in coverage. Uh, for his career, 1.33 yards per coverage snap played, including the playoffs. And their starting safety, Nick Cross, is a rookie. Like, Bradley does not seem like the kind of coordinator who can quickly pull together a secondary with that much turnover and vulnerability. And then as for Davis Mills, yeah, like, it was an up-and-down rookie season for him. But he finished the year once he returned to the starting lineup on a pretty good hot streak, 1,200 yards passing, nine touchdowns to just two interceptions. Like he actually looked like a rookie who was ascending. And that's, you know, in comparison to a lot of the other rookies who were playing last year who just didn't really improve throughout the season. So he could maybe experience the second year progression that a lot of quarterbacks experience. He still has some continuity with offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton, who was his position coach and the passing game coordinator last year. He's got some interesting weapons there. Brandon Cooks, a very steady professional receiver. And then Nico Collins yeah. as an upside wide receiver and Brevin Jordan as you know a young, pretty pretty intriguing pass catching tight end who was uh the best tight end prospect of his high school recruitment class was pretty good in college i think went underdrafted last year and in the preseason was getting the super majority of first team snaps like you put all that together and it's like you could see the situation especially in garbage time getting the backdoor cover where against a secondary that just hasn't hasn't merged yet being able to move down the field and and cover for us. So that's where I am, Texans plus seven. I think the Colts win. I think they finally get the win, but I think the Texans cover. Uh, just I was going to say, too, Gus Bradley, like if you look at his – I was I was sitting here just going through like Gus Bradley's – because he when, he when he he basically got the Jaguars job because the Legion of Boom was awesome, which yeah. like, I mean, you know. I mean, <laughs> it was. Right? Yeah, good work. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, like it's good work if you can get it right. Like coaching up the Legion of Boom, um, and then obviously you know Jacksonville was terrible throughout his entire tenure with the Chargers. He had like two good years as defensive coordinator, but if you look at it, it's like I mean Derwin James, Joey Bosa, and Melvin Ingram. Were, I mean, he had like players. Yeah, and Shaquille Leonard is a player. DeForest Buckner is a player, but that secondary does not have the same talent that he had in his previous stops, and I think that is that could be a problem for this for this uh, Colts uh, defense, especially early in the season. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you and I talked about it on the win totals episode with this Texans team. Their number's four and a half, which I think is ridiculous for a team that won four games last year and is better now than they were last season. I like Lovey Smith, but the most important thing for me here is that this roster isn't actually one of a rebuilding team. It's not super young. It's actually one of the older rosters in the league. There are going to be enough veterans there that they're not going to be making all of the rookie mistakes and the growing pains 
And I think that they're going to be able to come together in a way where the Texans can at least cover this game, if not surprise a lot of people, maybe not here, but this year. We'll have to see, but I think that they, I, I'm, I'm completely with you. Texans plus seven. Guys, football season is here, and if you want to get in on the action, we recommend heading on over to our friends at BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks is offering up the king of promotions right now. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a BetMGM account today, and you will get a $1,000 risk-free bet for your first bet. That's right. You get a $1,000 risk-free bet just for using the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for an account with BetMGM. So get in on the action today, guys. Enjoy the football season, and let's cash some tickets together. Now back to the show. Let's move on here to the Giants and the Titans, because you guys are in agreement on this one. The Titans are laying five and a half at home, and you're both riding Giants plus five and a half, Well, Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, we're our job, you know, when we're, I mean, by the way, it's, it's all, like, our job is to watch football and talk about it, uh, which is so stupid, by the way. Um, but uh, it's awesome. Don't be wrong. But the um, you know you look at our job also is to look at what happened over the course of the off season to determine okay what you know what does this do to what do these sort of events do to a particular team like you know is this team you know up down like where do I think they'll go and I don't think the Giants are going to be good and Joe Shane like even basically came out and said it he's like they're like what, is, what do you think about your expectations this year he's like we've got to play the hand we were dealt which is. <laughs> Which is like GM for I'm expecting to win three games and draft Bryce Young. It's like basically, um, basically why. So um, the Giants go out and they hire Brian Dable, massive upgrade over Joe Judge. They draft Evan Neal, massive upgrade on the offensive line. Uh, there's a there's a going to be an, an like an emphasis on trying to make Daniel Jones look good because it'll make you, even if he doesn't look good enough that you keep him, you at least look good in the eyes of, of ownership. Um, they had a great draft. And on the other side of it, the Titans trade A.J. Brown in the draft and like switch to Traylon Burks, which is a massive, massive downgrade. Like, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to dog Traylon Burks as a prospect, but A.J. Brown is a top 10, 15 NFL receiver easily. And, you know, Traylon Burks is not. Uh, they have Robert Woods, who is a great run blocking wide receiver. That's very nice for Derrick Henry. But Henry's sort of, you know, I think they have to be a little lighter with him in terms of his carries this year, especially out of the gate, given what happened last year. Um, I think the Giants are just fr- like live to win this game outright and will, by virtue of just improving with the coaching staff um, and the weapons too, Wondell Robinson, I think, could have a big year. Uh, this is a spot where, the to me, it's an easy bet on the Giants against a Tennessee team that has severely downgraded, uh, now with Harold Landry out too for the season, downgraded on both sides of the ball uh, over the course of the offseason. Are you saying you're not a believer in Ryan Tannehill? I, I, I like Ryan Tannehill, but I don't, I'm not like – he didn't make me feel anything like you know, I'm not gonna, like yeah, Ryan Tannehill. Like, eh, you know, like I say, you know, you say like, you're like Tom Brady, you know, if you feel yeah. something, you know, it, you know. this, this team is playing out the string this year until they can start Malik Willis. But Matt, you're also on the Giants. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about the, the Titans in earlier episodes, you know, betting the under on their season win total. They're a bet against team for me pretty, uh, pretty repeatedly throughout this season. And it starts here. I do have some pause in that the uh, the Giants offensive line, although it was upgraded with the addition of Evan Neal, it has suffered a series of injuries during the preseason. And 
so it's better than it was last year, but like it's thin. It does not have uh, really any depth there, uh, especially on the interior. So that is something that makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, that said, I just think this, this Titans team is massively overrated based on what they did last year. And Daniel Jones, 12 and six against the spread on the road, 11 and four against the spread as a road underdog. Like this is just like, the kind of guy you want to back in this situation. And Mike Vrabel for the Tennessee Titans, one and three against the spread in week one, 15, 21 and one against the spread as a favorite. Uh, And like, I feel like that makes sense. Like Vrabel is the kind of coach you want to back as an underdog and want to bet against as a favorite because he has a really conservative way of managing his team. And for me, some of this comes down to the Giants secondary versus the Titans pass catchers. Like, I think if you look at what these teams did last year and the players that they have, the edge goes to the Titans in a lot of situations, except in this situation. But this is one of the most important matchups of the game. Like the 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 uh, the passing game is often what dictates how teams perform against the spread. And the Giants, I think, you know, they've had turnover in their secondary. I, like it's not a good secondary. They lost cornerback James Bradbury. Uh, also, uh, like safety slash cornerback Logan Ryan, Andrew Brill Peppers lost all of those guys uh, this offseason. But they still have some pretty decent continuity. Like all five projected starters this year were on the team last year and got meaningful playing time. So they at least have some continuity as a unit. And number one cornerback, Adoree Jackson, I think is a really underappreciated player. Like not only has he exhibited the ability to shatter receivers throughout his career, but unlike most perimeter corners, he actually does line up in the slot. And I think that gives, uh, you know, defensive coordinator Don Martindale or Wink Martindale uh, more flexibility with his coverages. Uh, And, you know, Jackson, he's never had a coverage grade lower than 65. And last year he was really dominant. Uh, 0.61 yards per coverage snap, 4.98 yards per target allowed. Like that puts him in like some pretty elite territory. And it's just like, I know it's just one year, but like last year he played really well. And so if he can man up either uh, either Robert Woods or Traylon Burks on the perimeter, and then if the Giants can shut down the other receiver with safety help, Westbrook Akine and Austin Hooper, are those two guys going to make the Giants pay? Like probably not. Uh, and so even with the subpar secondary, I think the Giants can kind of like force, quote unquote, force the Titans to run the ball more as if they need any more incentive to give Derrick Henry <laughs> the ball. But if the Titans are just running every play, I think that means that this is a pretty close game, like more of a field goal game than a five and a half point game. So I will take the extra points here like Will with the Giants. The next game up is the Niners at the Bears. The Bears getting seven points at Soldier Field against San Francisco here. Matt, you are on this one with Bears plus seven. I am right there with you. Yeah, it feels kind of disgusting, uh, but this is this is just what the number says here. And the 49ers are already dealing with some pretty significant injuries, uh, the most recent of which is George Kittle. Uh, mispractice on Wednesday. Be sure to monitor that. But, you know, non-zero chance he doesn't play in week one. Uh, their starting center, uh, Daniel Brunskill, he has a hamstring injury. It looks like he's going to be out. And two guys who were definitely out in the secondary – cornerback Jason Verrett, and safety Jimmy Ward. So 
that is all pretty significant. And I just want to say like Brunskill's, uh, if he is out, that means that the 49ers are starting three new interior players on their offensive line. Like it seems like that might be something that could be detrimental to starting quarterback Trey Lance, who is like just entering his first year as a starter. Uh, and also I just want to say like Brett and Ward being out, that leaves them incredibly thin in the secondary after they had offseason departures of starters, Josh Norman, Kawan Williams, and Jaquiski Tart, as well as the depth safety, Tavon Wilson. So that secondary for the 49ers is really, really thin. And, you know, Tom, we talked about this on the show last year. Like, Kyle Shanahan, as a favorite, okay. Like, that that's all you have to tell me. Kyle Shanahan is a favorite, and I'm going to be betting against him. Right? He's 16-24-1 against the spread as a favorite. 15-21-1 against the spread without Garoppolo as his starter. And in week one, 0-4-1 against the spread. Just absolute absolutely horrible at the beginning of the year. And, you know, I mentioned the 49ers secondary. This matchup to me comes down to Justin Fields against that secondary. Uh, They are really thin and as bad as the Bears offense was last year, like it wasn't much worse in dropback EPA than the 49ers defense was. So I, I think this is more of an even matchup with Fields against that secondary than most people would imagine. And it's 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 a tough matchup overall for Fields, no question, going against a, a defensive line that is going to keep him pressured all game. But the good thing is he's a dual-threat quarterback. He was the number one dual-threat quarterback as a high school recruit in 2018. He has the scrambling ability to escape the pocket and pick up chunk yardage. So even though he is going to be under pressure, I think he has the skill set to minimize the impact of that pressure in this game. And with Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, I think he has the guys that he needs to attack the, uh, what I would say is a weakened 49er secondary down the field and in the middle of the field. And I'm not going to put too much stock in the preseason, but it is worth noting. He actually looked pretty good, pretty good in the preseason, better than any of the other quarterbacks in the preseason in his draft class. And, you know, a, a quarterback entering his second season, it's not unthinkable for him to take a significant step forward in that year. So I am on the Bears here at plus seven. Do you, Especially uh, after how that preseason looked, I can't believe we are still getting seven points with the Bears in this game, Well, The Bears have a really bad roster. Yes. They do. It is, it is one of the two worst rosters in football with the Falcons, I think. Yeah. Like, there's like there's three guys that, from the, on the Bears that you would, like, maybe four, four if you can't, maybe like four guys where you'd be like, oh, yes, I would want that person on my roster if I was starting a team. It's like and, Moody, Roquan, Jalen Johnson, and, and Fields. The, like, the Fields thing is interesting. Like, what if, if Fields takes a massive leap, what is the Bears' ceiling? This year, like win total wise, somebody asked this, and we we're trying to figure it out. Six like, wins, right? Yeah. Still, like, you still don't want, even with like a massive leap. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be similar to to what we saw uh, out of Deshaun Watson with the Texans early on, where like he's playing really well, and it doesn't, that, and it doesn't matter because because they're still losing a whole bunch of games. Yeah, okay. they, they they did an interesting thing investing in like wide receivers who let's face it are cheap but we haven't seen them be bad we haven't seen them be good 
but we haven't seen them be bad. They've just been stuffed behind other guys. I think that there's that, some. That is a, that, look, I'm a big galaxy brain guy. That is a that is a galaxy brain theory. It's like we we no one's seen these guys suck. They just never play. I, yeah, they never play because they were behind really good wide receivers. I think it's an interesting strategy. I don't think it's going to work out for them long term. But I maybe they get lucky and one of them breaks out and Darnell Mooney has someone op- opposite him. But Justin Fields is going to be running for his life anyhow. I still like the Bears in this game for everything that Matt said, and especially because I already have the clip saved from two episodes ago when Matt told me I was just flat out wrong about the fact that Trey Lance is bad at football, and I am saving that for around week nine or ten when the Niners have five wins. Trey Lance better not be bad at football. I will be very poor in best players if Trey Lance is bad at football. my, my, My argument is this. Everything that they said about Zach Wilson coming out uh, to the NFL, BYU, small sample size, didn't play anyone, uh, cupcake schedule, like all of that. Trey Lance, it really, it, he he was playing the heavy hitters at, uh, at North Dakota State. My my argument would be that it's like upside riddled quarterback is drafted by a team that trades up for him, sits for a year. And then gets to be unleashed in super quarterback friendly offense with tons of weapons and offensive mastermind calling the plays, which is like like very closely resembles what happened with Mahomes. I'm not saying he's going to throw 50 and 5,000, yeah. just that like, and look, Kyle Shannon may be panicked. I mean, I think it's possible that Kyle Shannon always wanted Jimmy G on the roster as sort of like a fail safe, just in case Trey's not ready. Yeah. Um, and I think there'll be ups and downs, but I, I would be, I would be surprised if he wasn't. Hashtag good at football. I'm I I know this is my hot take, but I stand. It's a hill I'm willing to die on here. The next game. I I hope I hope that you're dead by week five. (laughs) (laughs) No offense. None taken. The next game up here, though, we got two more to get to. The Bucks and the Cowboys are going at it, and the Cowboys two and a half point home dogs in this spot. Will you're on this game here, and you are not siding with Tom Brady. You are going with the boys. Yeah, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the Cowboys as a as a short dog at home. I think that this is probably best to wait until Sunday night. Um, you know, it's the first Sunday night football game of the year. Everyone's gonna bet on it. People trying to get their money back. We'll be chasing the favorite, Tom Brady, on the road. You know, against a Cowboys team that, like, if you look at these these two teams, maybe more than anybody or any teams over the last month, like have, the general public has been selling these two teams, or, or maybe even buying the Eagles and buying the Saints as a result of selling these teams. And it's, it's largely offensive line injuries that have caused that sort of market shift. Um, I think people will, with the Tyron Smith news that he's out till December, I think people, everyone is just abandoning ship on the Cowboys. And I, I get it. Like it's, it's, it's very problematic, but I think you make the case that the Buccaneers offensive line injuries are almost just as bad relative to the quarterback under center because Tom Brady interior pressure is a problem. Uh, Dan Quinn has played, you know, he's coached a ton against the Buccaneers. I don't think he'll be shocked by a, you know, a large portion of the personnel when he's coaching about defense. They'll, I think they'll rush Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons on the inside to force to create really bad mismatches for, um, for uh, you know, for for the, the blocking schemes of the Buccaneers. And you're talking about you know, like coaching wise, you know, Sean Payton's departure concerns me for New Orleans. I don't I think I'm talking enough about the fact that Bruce Arians is gone, and you still have, of course, Byron Leftwich calling the plays and, and Tom Brady you know, operating it, but like is Todd Bowles going to take a different approach to the offense than, than Bruce Arians? Probably he's just inherently more conservative. And so I think the Cowboys can generate enough offense to uh, 
to pull the, I think the, I think they'll win this one and I probably shouldn't be home dogs even with the injuries that they've dealt with. Matt, I know that uh, you're not necessarily on this game, but we talked about last episode. You're not high on the Cowboys this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm very skeptical about what is going on with their um, their injury situation at at left tackle specifically, and you know, it means that they're having to to move guys around and elevate players. You know, move swing tackles into starting positions and swing interior linemen and starting left guard positions. And so, I'm just I'm skeptical overall. But you know, I I will say that. Uh, you know, we uh, at Benny Pros do have uh, projections, official projections. Uh, over, I'm overseeing a team with uh, you know, different different people who are you know giving their projections, and we have actually the Cowboys as a team to bet on in this game, and uh, we have them as uh, they should be 0.5 underdogs, and they're you know two and a half underdogs. I wouldn't bet this outright. If you're on the Cowboys, I would just tease it. You know, because you get to go through the key numbers of three and seven. Uh, and at this point, you know, there's so many good teaser legs out there this week. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And so at this point, even eight, uh, you know, in the NFL with some teams going for two, like that can, it's not a, a key number, but it's also nice to get that one too in a teaser. So if you're on the Cowboys, that's the way that I would Jag- play. Jaguars, it. Cowboys. Do we, do we, do we, do we, we already discussed the Jaguars, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I can't remember what games I've talked about at this point, like over the course of, um, but like Jaguars, Cowboys teaser, both up to eight and a half is a pretty nice little. Yes. Thing. Yeah. I like yeah. that one. I like that a lot. And do you guys like the Monday night football game here? Broncos at Seahawks, the Hawks getting six and a half points at home and the Russell Wilson revenge game here. Will, you're going with the Hawks. Yeah. So see, it's not Russell Wilson revenge game. It's Pete Carroll revenge game. Like Pete Carroll needs a revenge more than Russell Wilson does. Russell, if Russell goes back and loses, it'll at least be like, all right, you know, like, you know, Pete, I mean, like if, if, like Pete Carroll, the, the Seahawks are as down as you can get right now. Nobody wants to buy in on the Seahawks. Um, my theory is that Pete Carroll is trying to recreate 2011 to 2012, which, um, or 2010, 2011, excuse me, which is like they went seven and nine. Um, so it's like, not they won the division one year with that losing record, the, the Beast Quake season. But it's like they weren't good teams. One year, one game, one week they lost, I think it was like week three of 2011, they lost to the Browns six to three. But, like, that's what Pete Carroll's going for. He wants to muddle this thing up. He wants to run the football. He wants it to be a sloppy, ugly game. He doesn't want Gino to turn the ball over. That's why Locke's not playing. Just play defense, run the ball a ton, and drag people into the mud with him. And I think he can I think he can pull it off, especially early, when he knows Russell Wilson's tendencies. I think Russ will try to, um, you know, act like he's this is not a huge deal. But I think – even robotic Russ knows how, you know, just how insane it is. He's going back to Seattle for his first game with the Broncos. Um, I like the Seahawks. I think the crowd will be rowdy. I don't think it'll be like Tom Brady where they're like, Oh, thanks Tom. I think it'll be like, dude, you kind of bailed on us. Like, like yeah. you six and never came back dad. Um, and then, you know, and, and like, and I think they will be, I think they'll cheer pretty loudly against him. Maybe respect him early on. But uh, I, I think the Seahawks, like I'm a little, you know, Daniel Hackett's never been a head coach. I don't know if I buy, like they have offensive line issues in Denver. The defense won't be as good with Fangio gone. I think there's a lot of different sort of angles here that people are just not not seeing because of the Russell Wilson factor. I like the Seahawks to maybe pull an, an upset, honestly. I, I have the Seahawks tab to be the worst team in the league this year, but the fact is 
I can also see them. I mean, the Jaguars beat the Colts two years ago. They were the worst, and then didn't win another game. Like anything, you know, also, like, yeah. Also true and wild. And like, I could see this team muddling through several wins. Like you said, play sloppy. It's a Geno Smith-led run-heavy offense where you're just trying to go in and get it done and get as me- as much as you can. I I see completely where you're coming from here. I don't. I certainly don't want to lay six and a half with the Broncos on the road in this spot. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm i more on the side of the Seahawks, but I think this team is so disgusting that I definitely would not bet it. What I, I do agree with Will on is that this is going to be an ugly game, I think. Uh, like the... The idea of Pete Carroll wanting this to be sloppy, you know, like run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust. I think that's that's totally how this game plays out. And I think, you know, with Russell Wilson, like he's a good quarterback, but it, it is a quarterback in a new offensive system, new receivers, new team. It wouldn't be surprising to see the Broncos. I wouldn't say like struggle on offense, but just not be as good to start the season as they will be to finish the season on offense. And so you put all of that together. And I would say if I'm betting on this game, I would be betting the under. Uh, you can get yes. it for 45 and a half, sorry, 45 at DraftKings. The consensus line looking at betting pros right now is 44 and a half. And internally, we have this projected at 42.8. So I think there is some value here on the under. If I'm betting this game, I am taking the under here. I'm I'm completely with you on that. I could see this being like a 24 to 10 finish or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gave it the under is one of my best bets on the on the on the my podcast for CBS. I think it's a I think you're we're gonna have value on the Seahawks unders um for the first three weeks of the season, frankly. Like you can even yeah. look at like first half unders, full game unders. You look at those games that were Geno played. I mean, they they put 31 up, they blew the Jaguars out 31 to 7, but I mean that game still would have flown way under. They had that 13-10 game against Pittsburgh. I, I think it may take a couple weeks for the books to realize just how slow Pete Carroll wants to play. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for our games of the week here for week one. It is officially football time. We're running long in the tooth, and I know I'm putting you guys on the spot here. It's not on the rundown, but I want to know if you're making it. We talked about survivor picks at the beginning of the show. I want to bring it back around. If you have to pick one game for a survivor league this week, Will, where are you going? Well, first of all, uh, podcast running long and no real semblance of a rundown is basically my daily NFL podcast for CBS. So it <laughs> fits, fits the bill very nicely for me. Um, I think that the two spots, I think I'm just going to go with the Ravens. Like Ravens at Jets. It's not like I don't want to do that because I'd like to save the Ravens. I think they're, I, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. I think we have a very good team. Bounce back in a big way. Um Joe Flacco may very well be an upgrade over Zach Wilson for this week one game, which is kind of a problem, and you get the revenge factor there. Yep. But the the other games that you have to look at, Colts at Texans, that's a divisional road game in week one of the team that had one in week one since 2013. I can't go there. And 49ers at Bears, you know, the trade lance, like we know what we're getting with the Ravens. They're a team that dominates in week one. They've blown people out the last few years in week one. The 49ers, we think we know what we're getting, but there is a little uncertainty with Trey Lance versus like the Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense. There's so much consistency there. There's really no way they should lose to the Jets. Um, but it's this is a really tricky week for Survivor because there's just no – there's it's a ton of road chalk, and, you know, you're just going to have to hope you avoid that one big, you know, sort of shocking week one, you know, underdog victory. You know there's going to be chaos at the top, especially like you said, the amount of touchdown favorites on the road here is ridiculous. 
I'm a Jets fan. Joe Flacco is absolutely an upgrade over Zach Wilson. Jeez. I do not see I do not see the Jets pulling out a win here. I think I might have to go with that one as well. Matt, do you have a different differing opinion? Yeah, I'm I'm tempted by the Ravens. Um, but a team that stands out to me and I'm scared about a little bit, the uh the Bengals, six oh. and a half favorites over the Steelers. And so it's a divisional game, but this is the biggest spread that they have. If you're looking uh, at the look ahead market, this is the right. biggest spread that they have all year. So, you know, they're a good team. Uh, if you're going to use them at some point, I feel like this is actually the game to use them and just kind of get them out of the way and save some of the the other teams, the better teams for later in the year. Yeah, the the one hang up I would have about the Bengals and um, is that we were talking about it on the show and, and Prisco said that when he was in, he was at Bengals camp. And he saw Burrow, and he said Burrow looks like, like he looks frail, like he looks frail because he's lost. He lost so much yeah. weight in that burst of panic. That's the only like concern is because remember last year when he's coming back from the ACL, they were so slow and methodical about about the offense early on. And so I, you just wonder like if they don't unleash the passing game, will it allow Pittsburgh to hang around? And that's that's just my only concern. I agree. I mean, like the Bengals are the biggest home favorite in Week One, right? I mean, like yeah. The Steelers have Mitchell Trubisky. It makes a lot of sense, but the the Burrow thing. I mean, there's just there's no easy pick here. That's yeah. just the bottom line. Yeah, there there is no easy pick. I think both of those games are reasonable. I I love being able to pick a home team, especially in in Survivor. I think if I had to present a third option, I'm going Eagles over Lions. They're four well, point road favorites. It's not my fit. It's again, there's not a lot that I love on this one. I just think. That might be the spot where you use the Eagles here. I'd like to save them for later. The Lions might be better, but I'm trying to pick something here and make the best of a bad situation. I mean, I got the Eagles in the Super Bowl against the Ravens. You won't hear me complain. I mean, I don't complain about the Eagles, but I mean, I think the Lions are probably a little overrated. I'm trying to see if the Eagles have – they don't have a ton of great – they don't really have any good – they have the Jaguars at home in a couple of weeks. That'd be in early October. But, I mean, like, you, know, you got to survive – to yeah. be able to use them, so don't don't hate it. You, you yeah. got to pick something easy here. I like that you think birds are real. I'm I'm on the Philadelphia Eagles bandwagon with you. I have them to win the one seed in the NFC. Did you know that there's never been an all bird mascot Super Bowl? I did not know that. I do know that there's a team this year that can run the bird gauntlet, right? Well, I'm I'm going uh, Eagles Ravens is to be the to, that is my sole analysis of that Super Bowl pick is all birds, all birds. They're real. Yes, it's Unlike very deep. It's a deep data dive into. Uh, birds and animals <laughs> well guys that is going to do it for us here it is time for some football best of luck this weekend everyone we hope you cash your tickets will where can people find you and all the great work you're doing around the internet uh at will brinson on twitter and instagram and then the pick six podcast a daily nfl podcast we are on youtube youtube.com slash pick six every day live at 1 p.m for the now until the rest of time we also do live recap shows uh after the sunday show which is like 2 a.m eastern come join us for that loopy session and then uh, we'll be live on, on uh, after the rams uh rams uh actually after every primetime game i don't know what i'm saying and um also you can find it on like spotify stitcher apple google play wherever else you get your podcast Highly encourage you guys to go check it out. They do absolutely awesome work. One of my favorite things to do, you know, just go out, get lunch, take myself on a little date and just listen to a podcast. Always picking up the Pick 6 podcast as that that option. You guys do fantastic work over there. And if you like the work that we're doing here, don't forget, like, subscribe and share all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening to us today. Find Find me on Twitter at TV at work. You can find Matt, of course, at Matt F. The Oracle. 
And don't forget to follow at betting pros as well. And guys, we will see you next episode.